possible to return to a fulfilling, challenging, successful career after a long career break? After listening to this story, we want your answer to be a resounding yes. I'm Anna. And I'm Karen. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the Return to Work Specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of 2, 5, 10 or even 15 years. And we're excited now to share some of their inspirational stories with you. On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people sharing the ups and downs of their return to work journeys after taking long career breaks for childcare, eldercare, health or other reasons. After each story, Karen and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips. And a big thank you to Credit Suisse for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Credit Suisse were one of the pioneering employers in supporting talented professionals to return to work after a career break. Their Real Returns program currently runs in the US, UK, India and Switzerland and offers returners a smooth transition back into the workforce. After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories and a range of return to work opportunities. And do sign up to our free network and Facebook group too for extra support and connection. And now, over to this week's guest. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Georgia Williams. Georgia joined the Met Police in 1997 and enjoyed a hugely fulfilling career. She was promoted twice to sergeant and then inspector before she took a career break in 2011 after the birth of her first child. She applied for the Met's career break scheme where you can take up to five years off during which time she had her second child and also found a local role as a chaplain at a school. As her career break came to an end, she was invited to an open day to hear about the Met's new return to policing programme. And as she stepped into Scotland Yard, she describes feeling as if she had come home. She joined the programme in January 2020, coming back at the same rank she'd left on seven years earlier and has continued to thrive back in role ever since. Georgia, welcome. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for speaking to me. This is really exciting. Oh, fantastic. Listen, you, you enjoyed a really thrilling career in the Met Police before you took your career break. Tell us a little bit about some of the highlights. Well, lots and lots of different things. As you can imagine, policing is a really varied and different career. You turn up every day not knowing what you're going to face. And I actually loved that part of it. I thrived on that. I suppose it's a, a bit of an adrenaline rush, really. I really enjoyed public order. So I was public order trained, which took me away from my daily duties. And I did a lot of work up in London, ceremonial stuff, lots and lots of football. I really enjoyed um, working football matches. So a really hugely varied career. That's wonderful. And I can absolutely hear that passion coming through, (laughs) which is super, Georgia. And then tell us a little about what was it that then prompted you to take a career break? I had decided that I was going to concentrate uh, on my career before I started a family. So I wanted to get myself established. And once I'd been promoted the second time to inspector, it happened out of the blue, if I'm honest. It wasn't expected, but I, I fell pregnant with my first child. And it was happy. I was really happy about that, of course, because... Um, of the nature of policing and that that frontline element, I had to move away from that while I was pregnant for health and safety reasons. So I had my little boy and uh, I took a year's maternity leave from the Met. So that was in November of 2011. And I was off until the following November, October, November time. And then I decided to go back part-time after I had my son. I, I just felt that would probably be better for me to 
reintegrate myself back into work and to, you know, to find my feet again. Because let's be honest, when you have a baby, it changes you physically, it changes you very much emotionally, mentally, in every way, it completely changes the person that you are. So the Georgia that was the frontline police officer before she had children went back as a very different Georgia. You know, your priorities have hugely changed, rightly so. And it's something that I found if I'm honest, I found it really tricky to adjust to, but I found my way, I think. But when I had returned, I did find that I, I had this, and I'm sure um, others have felt it too, the, the guilt. I'm not doing a terribly good job at home and I'm not doing a great job at work because I felt sort of tied and, and split in half. So that was a, the first sort of conflict that I found really. That's not to say I didn't enjoy both roles, mum and, and police officer, but I found that adjustment, yeah, it was tricky. It was really tricky. And so then after that time, I think you said that you were finding it quite tricky. And then at that point in time, you decided to take a bit of time out. Yes, I did. So my husband and I sat down and had a chat about things. We realised he's a police officer too. And we'd got to the stage where I was sort of, we were working completely opposite shifts. We weren't seeing each other. We were trying to balance childcare and all of those different things. And we sat down and we sort of thought, well, would it really hurt if I took some time away? I was I was concerned, though, because I was quite ambitious and I wanted to progress my career. But I realized that something had to give and it couldn't be my baby. Of course, it couldn't. So it was my career that had to take the hit, if you like. So, yeah, we decided that originally that I would take two years off. And I said to Karen before, just be a mum. That phrase itself is just, you know, there is no just being a mum. If you're going to do staying at home and being a mum, that's full on as well. So it was career break, but not a career break really. And we were having work done on our house at the time as well. So I was combining doing that as well. I did some of that work um, myself as well. So yeah, it was a busy time. It wasn't sort of a take time out from your career and put your feet up for two years. It was, it was very much a doing it to I suppose it's just establish myself as a mum in that role so that then I could move on from there and then go back a little bit more to work as a little bit more of a rounded and, and well-established, that's the word, a well-established mum. And I think that being at work wasn't giving me that time and that, that opportunity to get used to this new life-changing role that I'd taken on becoming somebody's mum. It's a great point that you make there, Georgia, about that there's no such thing as just being a mum. And I think it's that people take career breaks for all sorts of reasons. It could be being a parent, it could be for caring for elderly relatives, it could be for relocating perhaps yourself and, and family, it could be for illness. Each of those periods of time are actually pretty intensive. It's certainly a rarity that people during their career break have had a lot of time to put their feet up, as you say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't putting your feet up kind of exercise. And yes, literally three months into it, I found out that I had another little bundle of joy on the way. So that kind of set me down that particular path then. That was me, holy mum, staying at home and, and doing that kind of softer, gentler side of my personality, allowing that to come through a bit more as opposed to the, the, the work Georgia, where you have to be a little bit hardened and a little bit more robust, I suppose. I think that bonding time was something that I'm so pleased that I had. Now, looking back, I'm really lucky 
that I got that to spend those precious years with my boy and my little girl who arrived the December, so a year after into my a year into my career break. And I mean, it sounds like just listening to you that you really thrived during that time and really enjoyed those precious moments with, with your children. And I think the fact that the, the Met run this official sort of career break scheme really helped give you that space to enjoy it. So tell us a little bit about your thoughts regarding returning to work. What point during that time off with your kids did, did you start to think that I'm beginning to feel ready? I was thinking about this earlier, actually. It was probably when, so my son was in reception. So that means that my daughter was two. And I'd been out for a couple of years. I think I'd been out for three to four years. And I thought the older one's at school, the little one is just about to start nursery. Then what happens to me? I I thought, well, I'm just going to, am I just going to stay at home? I wasn't quite ready. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't quite ready to go back Uh, to full-time policing at that stage. But I knew I wanted to do something. And I was quite keen to have sort of time off with the children in the summer and the, the school holidays. So I managed to find a role in a school locally to where I live as a chaplain. In fact, it was my old school where I went to school. So it was a term-based role, so it was all, all term working with all the holidays and the half terms off, which was great. But it got me back into having to get up, get dressed, put my makeup on and take the children to nursery or to, to school and then go to work. And it, not that there was no structure or routine before, but it got me back into that working routine, that having to, to be somewhere else. Not, I can't explain. It was a kind of a gentle introduction. And actually, once I'd started doing that role, I really enjoyed it. I was working with children from the age of two right up to the sixth form. I was working with some great members of staff. And actually, I thought, I really enjoy this job. And I thought, when my career break comes to an end, I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know whether I'm going to go back. Because I might just add here, during your career break from the police, you are allowed to take on a job to support yourself. So it was getting to the stage where we'd gone through all the savings. Not only was I personally ready, financially, we were quite ready for me to come back and do some work. But yes, so I was able to do that in order to support myself. I had to declare the fact that I was working and it had to be approved. But because it was a non-conflicting role, it didn't conflict with my policing responsibilities. I was allowed and had permission to do that. But like I said, it got to the stage where I thought, "Mm, I'm really enjoying it. And I began to doubt whether I'd ever go back to the police. But Then, as you say, in my introduction, out of the blue, I got a phone call to say that the Women Returners scheme was up and running. And did I fancy going along to an open day? And I thought, do you know what? No, I don't think I do. I'm quite happy now. And I don't think I'm going to go back. But then something inside me said, why don't you go? Just have a look. Go and have a cup of coffee talk to some other ladies and see how what their experiences are and see what's on offer. Just, I, you know, I thought I'd be foolish to turn the opportunity down. And then as Karen said, that day I walked into Scotland Yard and it was like, oh, I've come home. It was, re- I can't explain the feeling to you. It was, it was like I was meant to be there. And that's not to say that I wasn't I was upset that I'd had the time off. I really needed that time off. I had to have that time to just regroup, I suppose, 
when having a baby, it's, well, having two babies, it's, it's a life-changing thing. And I needed that space to be able to come to terms with that huge change in my life. And then five years afterwards, here I was in Scotland Yard thinking, okay, I'm ready now, bring it on. That was in the June or the July. No, it was in the July. That's right, because it was the summer holidays of school. And then the following January, I returned. Fantastic. And I love that almost description of, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm home. And so one, I can imagine that feeling, but I think also a recognition that break doesn't need to mean the end of your career. In the space of a 40 year career, a a Mm. break even of five years, it's just a bit of time out. It's a small portion of your overall career. And then Georgia, as you were thinking about coming back to work, as you said, you had a little bit of time to prepare. How did you prepare, whether it's personally or professionally, for returning back to work? Well, there was obviously like the logistics of coming back, sorting out a role. I I was really, I was concerned, actually. I thought, oh, goodness, because the Met is a huge organisation. Where am I going to end up? I could have ended up anywhere in any role, which was fine. But there's that worry about, is it going to affect the kids? Am I going to have to do lots of traveling and and that kind of thing? But I have to say the Met were brilliant and there was a real desire to help me and other ladies in my position to find appropriate and meaningful roles as well. I knew some, some people who were based in Southwest London. So I got in touch with them just to put out some feelers because I knew that the Met had changed quite drastically in the time that I'd been away. And I thought it was important to to have an appreciation of how it was working now because it was hugely different. It was also the silly things like getting my uniform. When, when am I going to get my uniform? And things like that actually are quite, well, you worry about the silly little things, the silly details, the big details about how I'm going to be able to do this. I've got it in me. I wasn't worried about that really. I was more worried about the small things, which sounds really crazy actually. But I had that because I was so pleased and so keen and eager to be back, I think. I didn't worry so much about how am I going to do. I think that that kind of excitement, that adrenaline that I spoke about earlier, that adrenaline was going to get me through that. And it was like I suppose it's like riding a bike. When I came back, it was different. The procedures were slightly different and the way things work were different. But the actual job itself was still the same. And I was still the same. Although I would talk about how I changed when I had my kids. I'd come the circle. I'd done that. And I'd come round back to who I was before because I was now established as Georgia, the mum. And I was able then to get back into things. So yeah, there was lots of different things to to worry about. But I think sometimes you have to take a big, deep breath. We laugh and joke about it. We say, put your big girl pants on uh, and, and off you go. That's how I did it. I just thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. Let's get on with it. And I think that was the best attitude to have, really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that confidence, isn't it, that actually the job is still the same. I've still got the same skills that I had before my career break. Um, And some of the little things that you did probably also helped to boost your confidence. So understanding how the Met had changed, the environment had changed by reaching out to people and making those connections probably were really valuable as well and just making you feel more confident as you returned. Really interested the the fact that you had this this other role as a chaplain on your career break. When you think about that role, 
What do you think are some of the, the, the skills that that gave you that you were then able to bring back with you when you returned to, to policing? So uh, I think we've, as a society, I think we've very much made the realisation about well-being and mental health and how key that is in our lives in general. And I definitely think that working in my role as a chaplain, and especially in the school that I worked in, gave me a real huge insight into how mental health and well-being is so vital in every walk of life. It doesn't matter where you work, whatever you are doing, it really push that home to me. The other thing was working with young people. How amazing, what an amazing group of young people that I was working with, even the tiny ones to to the, the students doing their A-levels, having that insight into how young people these days are and how they think and how they work. It's very different to how this kind of society that they are growing up in, the technology that they have, the way that they interact with each other is completely different to the way that me and my friends used to talk to each other. So that gave me a real sort of good snapshot, I guess, of that section of society. And so coming back, being able to use that in my day-to-day role is absolutely invaluable. Even being a mum, <laughs> all the things that that teaches you as well, logistics, organisation, everything that you learn on your career break, or I've learned on my career break, has been absolutely invaluable. There's no such thing as, like I said to you about just being a mum. No, it's the skills that you learn. Negotiation with a two-year-old, well, you're a trained negotiator. If you can negotiate with a two-year-old who's having a tantrum, and that, again, that that brings, I bring that into my, I'm not saying that there's two-year-olds that I negotiate with at work, but, you know, those skills that you bring in, invaluable, absolutely invaluable. Wonderful. And what a great way to talk about it is actually that this, those skills being invaluable, as you say, and whether it's that understanding of youth or whether it's the, the organising or the negotiation skills of, uh, that you develop as a parent. I know. We've I, all been there. We We've have. all been there. I've got, a few, I've got a few more in my pocket now than I used to have after having three kids. And I'd love to hear, Georgia, if you can kind of imagine yourself back in, in January 2020 when you first came back to work. Tell us a bit about those first couple of weeks back at the Met, what were some of the the highlights, the challenges? How were you feeling at that time? Do you know, it was absolute disbelief. You know, when you just think, I can't quite believe it. It happened really quite fast as well. I couldn't believe that I was here. I was thinking, wow, I'm really back. It was a, like I said to you about getting uniform and all that kind of stuff. It was a real whirlwind and, and the learning, I had to learn, I was relearning things again, not the skills, no, they were still there. But you know, who to go to if you've got an IT problem, what floor the toilets are on, silly little things like that. I can't lie, I loved being back, but there were times when I thought, oh, do you know, have I, have I got this in me? Have I, have I really done the right thing? And I had, I was really lucky that I had some coaching when I came back through the Women Returners program. That I actually found, that was like a, a little rock, my little rock. I had, I can't remember how many sessions I had, but as soon as I came back, I had a, a session. And from all that confusion and worry and the, I learned about what imposter syndrome is. I kept thinking, I'm, I'm not good enough. This is, I'm rubbish. I'm hopeless. I wanted to come back straight away and be firing on all cylinders, but I wasn't. You can't. It takes time. So literally, I was thrusting at the deep end 
and it was sink or swim time. But do you know what? I think that was the best way because I didn't have time to analyze stuff too much. I had, like I said, I had my coaching, which was invaluable. And it made me realize actually everything I'm feeling about not being good enough and drowning and all that stuff, completely normal. And everyone feels that way. So that was reassuring. But I didn't have time to dwell on all those feelings because I just had to get on. I had to crack on and and deal with all this stuff. And it was the best way for me, really, because I just got on with it. And I didn't have have too much time to think. That was the key. I find if you overthink things and you overanalyze things, that's when the problem lay. So I literally, (laughs) I did. I jumped in at the deep end. And, And here I am a year later. And now I look back and I think, crikey, that was pretty full on. That, this has been a full on year, but it was the best thing for me, if I'm honest. And it made me realize, you know what, Georgie, you can do it. You still have got it. It is like riding the bike. You've got on the bike, you've pedaled as fast as you can, and you haven't fallen off. Well, not too much anyway. That's great. And I think, Georgie, you, you describe the feelings that we hear so many returners talk about, that that feeling of kind of disbelief when they first get back in and then that overwhelm of being back in role. And as you say, that imposter syndrome, that feeling that you can't quite believe that you're there, that you can't quite believe that you've got that role. But I think that piece around that you know, that jumping back in and getting stuck in, you had no choice, but also that positive self-talk about Georgia, you can do it. Being your own inner mentor is is something that we really try and and encourage women to do, dial down any negative voices that they're hearing and really sort of dial out that sort of champion of, yes, you can do it, you can get back in. We do um, find that some people take a while to get back up to speed professionally and that people are nervous about it. You know, how long will it take me? How long do you feel it took you to get back up to speed? at the Met and and what helped you along the way? I mean, you talked about that coaching at the beginning, but were there other things that that really helped you to sort of feel back up to speed? Yeah. So I gave myself, I thought I'm going to give myself six months. I think by the time six months have gone, I should be summertime. I thought I'll be back and back to where I should be. Actually, I think it was after about a month, I turned to a colleague and I said, you know what? It feels like I've never, ever been away. I've been, it feels like I've been here and there's been no interruption at all. It was really strange. So I'd given myself that cushion. And my, I, I have to say the things that helped me, my boss, she is, she's amazing. I can't say any more than that. She's just been amazing. And her boss as well, both of them have been supportive, understanding. They've really championed me, if you know what I mean, very much because I've gone back part-time, albeit as near as, as full-time as I can be with without being full-time. So I work 90% hours and it means I have a specific day off, for example, every week, normally a Friday. They will never, ever contact me on a Friday. That is your day. You're part-time for a reason. That's your day to, unless the wheel has come off, then they will never, ever contact me. They're very supportive. There've been times when I've sort of phoned them and said, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yes, you do. Take it easy. Just relax. (laughs) You do know what you're doing. They have been, if it hadn't been for them, I don't know how I'd have got through it. But not only my, my bosses, the senior leadership team have been superb. It's a very supportive place where I work. The the senior leadership team, my teams, all the people on my teams, they will manage upwards as well. We all look out for each other. It's a very supportive and 
caring. Yes, it's a very caring place to work, which you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't necessarily think it would be that way, but it, it really is. And that's what helped me through is the people that I work with. That's wonderful. And I know we often hear actually it is your colleagues, your managers, your teams. Actually, if they're supportive and reassuring and encouraging, it absolutely mm. makes a huge difference into helping you you feel back at home again. But also, I, I like the way you talked about actually one month in, or it was almost quicker than you thought it was going to be that you felt back up to speed. Yeah. And that's often what we hear from returners. They think, oh, it's going to take me forever. And actually, maybe not always quickly as a month, but usually two, three months in. And they feel like actually no, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm back up to speed again now. Now, George, you've got a you know you do you do a really interesting job. What do you love now about your current work? The job that I'm in at the moment is I work across all of the strands. I work with CID officers. I work with uniform colleagues. I have a real huge variety of things that I'm responsible for. I do business continuity planning. I do training. I do resourcing. I do loads and loads of different things. And I can go to work and be, I can go from one meeting to the next and they'll be on totally different things. That's what I love as well. Learning. I've learned so much since I've been back. Not necessarily, it's all related to policing, but things that are not what you would associate with policing, like like the training side of things. It's a really important part of my role um, is to make sure everybody gets trained and you wouldn't necessarily associate that with being a police officer. Being Having worked in the school and knowing how important the educational side of things are, that's fitted in really nicely. Yeah, so there's lots of different things that I do. I absolutely, I relish every day. I, that sounds so cheesy. <laughs> I can't, I listen to myself saying that. Sounds really cheesy, but I really do because I, I just don't know what I'm going to be. Do. It's not the same as being out on the street and frontline policing, but every day is totally different for me. It thrills me. I love it. That's the bit I love about it is the difference that each thing brings. And you can hear that in your voice. You know, it sounds like it's also very busy. You know, each day is very full, very varied. And I just wonder about your balance and, and how you find that sort of sense of balance now that you're back in a full role, you know, you're working 90% hours. What have you found has helped you achieve a good sort of work-home balance? And what have you found a bit tricky? So especially now, we have laptops. I can work at home. I can work on a weekend. I can wake up at five o'clock in the morning and, and start working. I find that tricky because you can't always shut off. How do I keep my work-life balance? I could work till midnight every day. I could work from seven in the morning till midnight every single day. No doubt about it. But I'm really strict with myself. I like to be approachable for my staff. And I do say to them, if there's a problem, please phone me. I'm never, ever going to not answer the phone to you. And I'll always help. So there is that. But I very much, I put the laptop away. I put it in the drawer or in the cupboard and I leave it there. And I have to be really disciplined about that because I could just sneak on and I could just do that little bit of a report or I could just send a few emails. I think you have to be very strict with yourself to maintain that work-life balance. And there's going to be times when I can't have that work-life balance. When things get very busy, I do have to do long hours. I do have to make sure that I'm on the phone and available and contactable, even on my Fridays. But for the most part, I am quite strict. And I expect my, I sort of do the same for my staff as well. You know, when you're off, 
don't be putting the laptop on. I think, and I think that for me is really important to set that example as well, because it's about creating that kind of culture. It is okay to have downtime. It is okay to have family time. I think it's wonderful advice, Georgia, because I think you're right with the access to technology now, then work can take up, as you said, from 7am till midnight if you allow it to. So being really firm with that sounds like that's helped you, but it's also helped your team as well in terms of you role modelling that behaviour too. I'd love to hear, you know, looking back now, you've been back at work now for over a year. And as you look back at that return to work journey, what are some of the things that you're proudest of personally and professionally? The first thing I'm very proud of is that I found out last Thursday that I've been promoted. So that is a huge achievement for me. I had to go through quite a tough process, an interview, a written exercise and a briefing exercise, quite a competitive process. But I Got the email last Thursday to say I'd passed it. So I'll be being promoted to chief inspector. And do you know, my first thought was, I think they've sent the wrong email. They've sent it to the wrong person. That was my first thought. Isn't that crazy? And I had to get my husband to say, is that right? They sent it. It is to me, isn't it? And it is. it does say it's successful, doesn't it? How crazy is that? But yes, I'm. that is what I probably am most proud of. And you should be a massive congratulations. It's, <laughs> Thank it's you. It's just fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm super proud of that. I'm super proud of everything, actually. I can't actually pinpoint anything specific, but the fact that I've got so many different areas of responsibility, the fact that I actually, I actually do this job again and I enjoy it, that for me is the biggest or the second biggest, I should say, after my promotion. That the fact that I get up every day and I enjoy going to work, that is an achievement for me because lots of people enjoy their work. I, I love it. I really do. And again, I don't want to sound cheesy, um, but I've got myself to a place in my career where I do love it. And so that's taken time and effort. It is what you make it yourself, of course. But yeah, I think that's, I feel really fulfilled in the role that I'm doing. I feel really fulfilled within my career and that I feel very proud. I'm proud of my job. I'm proud to put that uniform on. That's how I feel. The first time I put it back on after I came back, I I, I, I bristled with pride. It was great. I mean, the trousers were a little bit small, but, you know, <laughs> I've got some new ones now. But, you know, after two children, I don't mind that. Yeah, it was, it's just, it's the, it, you know, I say to people, it's the best job in the world. And it it still is. It really still is. And I think it's wonderful that, that you've returned to such fulfilling work and that it's so important to you and that you love it. And that's just so important in terms of what gives you value in life. And it's clear that it's really suiting you. Georgia, our final question for you. What advice would you have for others on a career break who are considering their own return to work? So you've been through this journey now. What would you say? What are some of your key tips for them? So the first thing I'd say is have faith in yourself. Don't belittle yourself. You're brilliant. You've got it in you. Have faith. And moving on from having faith, have the confidence to take that leap of faith. Sometimes you think, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, jumping back in and just getting stuck in is quite often the best way. Don't overthink things. You have got it inside you. You are the same person deep down. Things might have changed outside, but actually what makes you you is still in there. And by 
jumping back in and trusting yourself, you'll discover that is the truth and you are in there still. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful advice. You know, that have faith in yourself, take the leap, get stuck in, and actually you're still the same person that you once were. Yeah. And enjoy it. That's the other thing. Enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. Georgia, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks so much for your time and for sharing with us the story. And I think particularly you're sharing some of the bits about how you were feeling along the way and and some of the obviously wonderful ups in terms of the promotion and how fulfilling you found that work, but also some of the bits that you found tricky, some of the doubts that you had along the way. Really appreciate you sharing the story with us. Thank you for having me. Anna, I just love the enthusiasm with which Georgia talked about her role, how much she loves her job and how proud she is to be back. Yeah, it was really wonderful to hear, wasn't it? It brought a smile to my face. I also think that Georgia raised some really important points about work-life balance. And and one of the key points for me was actually that if you find work that is energising and fulfilling, then that in itself can help you to feel in balance. Yeah, it absolutely can. But I think at the same point, if you are really enjoying your role, it can be hard to switch off. And I know that for a lot of returners, they are worried about how they're going to manage their balance once they're back at work. Georgia made an excellent point, I thought, that, you know, with technology today, you could work all day and all night. So you have to be really firm with yourself about setting some boundaries and and, and making sure that you're putting that laptop away in a drawer at the end of your work day. And I think that by doing that, by switching off, by switching off your laptop, but also switching your mind off from work, then that means that you can enjoy your life outside of work. And that quality family time, I know, was really precious for Georgia. So I think it can be really helpful as you're thinking about returning to work to start thinking about what might help you to manage those boundaries between work and your broader life. And what is going to help you to switch off after work? For some, it could be about having a shower and getting out of work clothes. For others, it's taking a few deep breaths at the end of the day before you get stuck into home life. For some, it's about cooking up a storm in the kitchen. And then for others, it's about, you know, just not putting your work emails on your phone in the first place so that you're not tempted to keep on checking them when you're not working. And then alongside some of those, you know, practical ways you can switch off and create that boundary, more generally, we'd encourage you to think ahead about your balance when you return to work. When we're coaching returners, we have three questions that we ask, which we know really help to prompt some some useful thinking. And the first question is, as you return to work, what will you stop doing? So it could be perhaps a volunteering role, it could be that you might stop always cooking from scratch, or it could be that you might, for example, stop looking at social media. The second question that's really helpful to ask yourself is, what will you delegate? So there may still be many tasks that need to be done, but not necessarily by you. So maybe think about who else could help. Maybe it's your partner, friends, family, children if they're a bit older, or maybe now you're earning again, you might even be able to afford some paid help um, perhaps around the house. And the third question that we'd encourage you to ask yourself is how will you recharge? Everyone's different in terms of how they recharge. Maybe it's a walk, a bike ride, listening to music, chatting to friends, taking a bath, doing some yoga. But just think about what would put energy back into your batteries. Yeah, that's so important. Just as Georgia did, take the time to think ahead about what's going to help you to create and maintain your work-life balance as you return to work. 
Thanks for joining us today. And we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast. And when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A big thank you again to Credit Suisse for supporting us to create this podcast series. Credit Suisse has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years. Take a look at their Real Returns program if you're thinking about returning to work. With a focus on transferable skills, the program has been important in opening new career directions for returners across the years. And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free returners network to hear about returner opportunities and join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group. We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of the Career Returners podcast.